0: My next guest, Crystal, is a mother of four who homeschools her children and lives a semi-nomadic life. Crystal's a parent of a neurodivergent child. And after finding that none of the traditional parenting advice or parenting and books worked for her, she realized she'd have to figure out what the alternative would be. I think we can all understand that being a mother is one of life's greatest blessings. And I'm sure we can all understand that being a mother can also be one of life's biggest challenges. And as I mentioned earlier, we can read all the books in the world and have this perfect vision of our minds of what kind of parent we are going to be, but nothing can truly prepare us. I think we're all just figuring it out as we go. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Crystal to hear what ended up working out for her and her family. Hey, Crystal, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And I think it's hilarious that we met online and we're actually like live in the same location right now. So,
0: um, place. I know how cool is that? Usually, <laughs> you know, when we get on zoom, it's like people around the world that are so far, but mm-hmm. we're really only a hop, skip and a jump away. So, yeah, so, it's so great to connect with you and hopefully we'll see each other soon in person.
1: Hopefully that would be awesome.
0: <laughs> okay. So. I can't speak for everyone, but I'm willing to put money down that almost every single mom out there has this idea about what kind of parent they're going to be before they have children and then their first child arrives and then there's reality. So I want to know before you got into motherhood, what was your vision like? What did you think you were going to be like?
1: This is such a funny question. I don't know if anyone's asked this before. And like, I didn't think about it a lot. Like I always knew deep down I'd be a mom someday. Um, I married, um, my boyfriend from high school. Um, we had, um, we separated for a few years. He went and did his thing. I went and did my thing. We reconnected a couple of years later and like pretty much immediately got married. So we were really young. So I was like in my second year, I think I was just finishing up my second year of my undergrad, um, in psychology. And he was like probably halfway through his first, or like maybe just ending his first, um, we got married and got pregnant two weeks later. And I went home from university or whatever that day. And just like cried all day, every day for like the first trimester. And like, my mom called and she always like intuitively knows when I'm pregnant, which is super annoying. And I was just like, no, I'm not <laughs> like, <laughs> anyways. I was just like in such denial. Cause I was like, this can't happen. Like I'm not ready for this. So for me, I don't think I would spent a lot of time really in the, like, what do I want to be <laughs> as a mom? It was really just me being thrown completely into it. I grew up with a family of seven children, like seven siblings. So eight of us. And, um, I started babysitting my siblings when I was probably nine and other people's kids when I was around 10. And by 11, I was babysitting like big families and friends and like multiple kids. So my whole life was like around babies and kids. Like I mostly babysat. And so I kind of think that I didn't need to think about it because I thought it was going to be easy. I thought it would just come naturally. And it wasn't something that like, I needed to go into intentionally thinking about, um, um, pregnancy was hard. Delivery was hard. I had an emergency C-section after 24 hours, including three hours of pushing with like no progression. Like everything was just so hard and so different than what I thought. I was like, oh, I'm going to have this baby naturally. Everyone in my family has like babies. So simply and like everything pretty much was exactly the opposite of, how I imagined it. So for me, it was like just a huge crash course. And like um, I definitely felt like parenting sucked when <laughs> I first started. I was like, wait a second, this was supposed to be easy. And I was supposed to be like super good at it. And I was just given this baby that was super colicky and really like 18 hours a day screaming and just so unhappy losing weight, spitting up all the time, sick going to pediatricians and them just being like, Maybe he's just colicky. And I'm like, this is not just colic dude. Um, anyway, so yeah, so my journey into parenting was like, I was super young. I think I was 20 when I had him. So I was just this like little kid and had no idea what I was doing and just had not really thought intentionally about parenting.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I guess when you say that you're just kind of thrown into, it wasn't really a forethought that you had getting pregnant right away um and i love that your mom i know that you said is so annoying but if she had eight children then mm-hmm. she yeah your first just through the call she knew that you were pregnant the
1: call. and we literally had just like gotten married we were planning on like having babies later i was like oh, i'm going to finish my degree i'm going to go get my masters i'm going to get maternity leave and like you know like a normal person and then have a baby in like eight <laughs> years or something Um, I don't know if I would have waited eight years, but for sure I was planning on, like, I had like a long-term game plan for sure. I really wanted to do like my career, get my career started first. And, um, that all just like was super derailed. And I'm like, how does she know? And like every time, like she just knew. And I was like, I don't even get to surprise you with this, but anyways, moms are intuitive.
0: (laughs) Yes, absolutely. That's so crazy through the phone that she knew. So, so you had your first child, uh, boy, you said, so. Um, how long after them? Because you have four children now.
1: Yeah. So uh, I basically was like, I can either wait like eight years and then like have the rest of my family, um, or just like do it now. And we were like, I guess we'll just we would we just will. And I kind of felt like once I'd gotten through his um, infant, because his like infantness was the hardest part about his childhood that I was like, okay, I can probably handle anything. Like I probably like the chances of me having another colicky kid. That's like, just as bad as this are pretty low. Cause usually it's like one in four kids that have colic and severe colics, probably less than that. So I was kind of like, we can, we can handle anything at this point. So decided to have another one. So I actually thought it was going to take a while to get pregnant. So I like was like, okay, I'll plan it. So that'll i like, I'll try for a few months and I'll like get pregnant. Like basically right when I like my convocation hits. But I got pregnant like exactly when I started trying. And so I was pregnant for the last like three months of my undergrad. So I was pregnant twice during my degree. And I just remember being in this like child development class and like learning all about all these different things that happen to babies and whatever. And then I'm like going and like vomiting in the bathroom. Cause I'm so sick. I, my teacher, my professor was the first person that we told besides my, like my husband and I, as I had to say, like, just so, you know, I'm going to be leaving your classroom a lot. So Anyway, so it was like kind of a, it was kind of an interesting, interesting time for sure. Graduated with this like five or six months pregnant with like a two and a half year old kid. And, um, after that pregnancy didn't come quite as easily. Um, it wasn't like super hard, but it didn't happen as easily as I thought. And also had another, just as colicky baby number two. And so I was just like, I don't know what I want to do. Also a C-section. So I'm like, everything was kind of, um, different. Um, somehow, I don't even know, somehow I decided to have two more kids, but along the line, I had two more kids, but before the two more kids came, those kids were probably five and three or four and two, both boys. And my mom had started to go back to school again. She decided she wanted to go to school. She'd been a stay-at-home mom for like 25 years or something so she decides to go back to school her kids are still little like she still has like an 11-year-old at home like our kids are not actually that far apart in age it's crazy but anyway so i have these little kids she has like an 11 or 12-year-old she's going to school and um she gives me this book called hold on to your kids by gordon newfelt and she basically said like i don't remember the exact conversation but both my parents were like we did a pretty crappy job And like, we shouldn't have parented you in that way, but like, that's really all we knew how, and like, here's a book. And like, this is probably how you should parent. And at that time I was just like a typical, like I'd be overwhelmed. And I watched a lot of Netflix and I stayed up late often. I yelled at my kids way more than I wanted to was a lot nicer to them, like around my friends and out in public than I was like at home. And I think that a lot of moms can relate to that and, um, probably had some sort of postpartum something, Um, mine was a lot more like rage and anger, which I didn't really know could be depression. So like, maybe that was what that was like 16 years ago. And it wasn't really talked about in that way back then. Um, so definitely difficult, definitely heavy and not a lot of support. Um, and that's kind of what got started me on this, like parenting in a different way. Journey was actually my own parents.
0: Wow. Okay. First of all. I just can't even believe you made it through a second colicky child. Like
1: what happened? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like so much of that time. I have a hard time even remembering because I was so sleep deprived. Like I literally, it was just like sleeping, rocking babies, eating, trying to figure out if it was like food I was eating or whatever. Like it was just like such a dark, heavy, cloudy time of like, I think maybe I was half asleep, like
0: all Mm -hmm. the time. And And yeah like you said, like you didn't know back then that, that rage and it could have been like part of the, Mm -hmm. the, the postpartum Mm -hmm. stuff. Like looking back on it now, I'm like, Oh,
1: that was probably pretty unhealthy. Like I had some really dark thoughts, but at that time I was just like, well, I can get out of bed and I'm not crying all day. So I guess I don't have postpartum depression and not one public health nurse said, mentioned anything about like rage or anger. They were just like, Oh no, sadness. Don't get out of bed. Anyway. So I, didn't have like support in those moments. And I don't think I really knew what was happening. And anyways, my mom and my mother-in-law are very supportive. They just didn't live like in my, in my area. So they would come and help me out like for the first little bit. But after that, I was just on my own on this wild ride where you're like, wait a second, shouldn't these kids come with like a book, like a how to book (laughs) or something?
0: Um, absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So that's, that's kind of where I was at. It's wild to think back on like 17 years ago, what life was like, but it was, yeah, it was really different, really different than where I feel like I'm at right now.
0: Yes. And even like how many years ago and my little guy is eight now. And after I had him, I had like, I never even knew this was a thing postpartum anxiety. Like I couldn't Mm -hmm. catch a breath. My heart was like, Mm -hmm. I could never be settled my breathing. I went to someone and I'm like, um, this naturopath that I work with. I'm like, what's going on? I can't take a full breath. I can't breathe. I can't like be settled. Mm -hmm. And she's like, yeah, it's called anxiety. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, I'm so thankful. I never had anxiety in my whole life. I've never experienced this, but I didn't even know till like years later that there's something called like postpartum anxiety. I know that now,
1: but like, I definitely don't think it was as like common, like known about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was really different. Everything was, everything was different. And I think on the outside things seemed okay. Like I was like nursing and like breastfeeding was going okay. Like with my, once I had my second and like, like my husband like had graduated and like was applying for jobs and like things were kind of normal. So I don't think we were necessarily like on the public health nurses list of like you know, this might be a problem or whatever. And so like, I don't think people really checked up and I don't know. I don't, I don't even know. I, I can't even remember so much about like that, um, chapter of my life. Cause it was just, I was just so tired. all the time.
0: <laughs> Sleep deprivation is definitely a thing and two colicky mm-hmm. kids. And then you had two more. So your mom gave yeah. you this book and it hold yeah. on to your kids. Did that mm-hmm. book change things for you or? Yeah. So it, um,
1: so that's the very first like parenting book that I read in the sphere of like what people now call attachment parenting. Well, he calls it attachment parenting or like conscious parenting, um, gentle parenting, all of those names we hear now, um, that were not popular back then. And like, nobody knew about, like that was the kind of the first book that got me into that. And so looking at things in a different perspective, and I immediately fell in love with that book. I read and was like, yes, like for sure. They're right about this. This is the way um, but I think it helped shift my perspective, but it didn't, it doesn't really give you like a how-to like, it's just like, here's the philosophy. And I'm like, this is amazing. And like, I would go to his courses, which I did. And I, like, I even met him and I read other parenting books and got really into those and like spent so much time, like in like, I guess the self-help parenting world, um, but not actually finding like any help which is so weird. Like, I just don't, I just didn't feel like like anything actually helped or like, I was like, wait, you need to come into my house and help me with this. Like, how do I actually do this? And, um, fast forward, um, several years, my, uh, we're getting ready to move across Canada, live on the other side of the country. My husband has decided to like quit his job, go do something else. He's going to go get his master's. Um, we're living in a new place where we don't know anybody and, um, my son's behavior, my second son's behavior had in gradually increased in like getting worse and worse and worse and worse. Like what we, what I now call like a meltdown or whatever, um, that would just get so bad and so extreme. And they were bad when we were living on the other side of like of Canada, but I think it just kept getting worse. And then I had like no support system because we like I'd never even traveled there before we like found our house on Kijiji and looked at it over like a Grady FaceTime photo or FaceTime like video. And then like moved into the middle of this, like, no, hardly anybody spoke English in the, in the specific um, suburb that we were living in. Um, they didn't speak French either. (laughs) It was like, it was mostly like Indian and Chinese. And so I had known a little bit of French and thought, okay, it's okay. I'll get by, but like really it's so multicultural over there. And I'd never lived in an area like that before. And so it was tricky, like getting to know people and like talking to neighbors and like figuring out where places were and stuff. Um, cause not everybody more French over there. So, um, Anyway, so that was like a tricky time. And that's kind of when I noticed that my son's behavior were like, I mean, for a long time, I'd kind of known there was something like a little bit extraordinary. It was definitely beyond neurotypical. And, um, again, kind of found myself at rock bottom again, felt like I was kind of saved by a book. A therapist came over, gave me a book and it's, again, it helped shift my perspective, but again, it still was like, I don't really feel like any of them told me how to do it for me. I just felt like it was this nice idea and like shifted things a little bit for me. It was a lot of like my own, like introspective work and like, um, just kind of noticing my role in our relationship and like what I was doing and how I was showing up and like just gradually tiny little subtle shifts started happening and, and changing, um, Anyway, so yeah, I think that's kind of where I feel like that's kind of where my biggest shifts in parenting started. It really wasn't like when I got my first book, it was like years later when I kind of hit rock bottom and was like, this is serious. Like we really need to do something about this. And I, and my rock bottom was really like a point where I really felt like either I can't live in this house or he can't live in this house because this is like, this is how extreme it is right now. And I grew up in a home where one of my brothers did move out when he was um, younger because his um, behavior was so extreme and he had high functioning autism. Eventually he ended up um, later on being diagnosed with schizophrenia, but his, um, my mind kept going to that. I was like, well, I just can't, like, I can't live with him. And if it's just going to keep getting worse as he gets bigger, like, what are we going to do? And um, so that was kind of, yeah, like my moment of like, no, something really like serious has to (laughs) Has to change here, not just like me reading a book.
0: Wow. <clears throat> so what were like, what did you eventually find out? Was there a diagnosis or did you mm-hmm. talk to like the doctors and find out if there was something like extra that you needed to, to yeah. work with or figure out how to
1: at that Nothing. time, I definitely knew there was, but yeah. also I had was pretty steeped in the like Newfeld Institute culture ideas. And I love them. And like, he's very like, we don't need to be like continuously over diagnosing. We need to look at like the child and what's happening with the child. And so I really believed in that part of it. And so I knew that there wasn't like a diagnosis that was just going to magically make things better and that I was going to like feel better and that we could like heal this thing. And so I didn't go that route. I went the route of like immediately Googling, like who's a Newfeld Institute certified person that I can like have come to my home. So I found a therapist and she came, she actually only ever, ever came one time, but at that time, like she knocked on my door and I like literally wept and asked her if I could give her a hug. And she said, yes. And I just sat there like in the foyer, like hugging a stranger and crying because I was like, I don't know what to do. Like my life is broken right now. And I don't know where to go. And, um, she sat with me for like an hour, an hour and a half. And I feel like what she did for me was really start to just change my perspective and just shifted. Like it was her talking to me that helped to start that shift. And, um, I, I, I think I just started seeing things in a little bit of a different way when she was like, like, I think I was constantly trying to change him like, let's figure out what we can do to change his behavior instead of like, what if this is just him? Like, what if this is him? What if he is neurodivergent? What if he does have some of these things? Like, what if this is what life's going to be like? And at first I was so resistant to that because I was like, no, 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 no. That means we can't like, we can't survive. But then my brain started to shift into like, well, what would I do? Like, if this really was like our life forever, then what, how would I show up differently than like constantly trying to change him? So I just remember the, like the most subtle shifts, like he would go and have this big meltdown that he would have. And I would close the door and I would not say anything, which is not what I normally did. And I would go into my room and I would usually just lay on the bed and cry so that I wouldn't like freak out at him. But I realized like, I mean, looking back on it now, I'm like, I was like having just as much of a meltdown every time he had a meltdown, right? Like he would melt down and then I would melt down to his meltdown and then wonder why his meltdowns were getting so extreme when I was like, just adding so much more anxiety, anger, frustration to what he was already dealing with. And so I started doing just like little shifts in like trying not to open my mouth in those moments, trying to make the environment around him as safe as possible before I left. Like, okay, I'm gonna make sure there's nothing that can be destroyed here. And like, he can just do his thing. And that's about the level that I got to kind of that whole year. Um, I also knew like connection and attachment were important. So I started trying to just spend a little bit more time with him or like asking him questions or having more conversations with him, just like little shifts. Those are the only two things that I did a year later, like 12 months later, I remember sitting in the house that we were living in and I was looking back on the last year and I was like, Whoa, like we had gone from two to three meltdowns a day that would last hours to two to three meltdowns a month that would last not hours. And were probably 90% less intense, most of them, not all of them, sometimes like once a month or so, they'd still be pretty crazy, but I was like, that's crazy. I'm like, that's weird. That like, how did that change happen? Like, I didn't get him diagnosed. I didn't give him medication. I didn't send him to therapy. I didn't like change anything about him. I only changed my response. And that was like a huge turning point for me. And fast forward. We like move back to Alberta. My husband has an internship and like things are actually going really well. I'm like, you know what? I can handle this. Like things are going pretty well, but, um, I, so I went to go look for a master's program in psychology, stumbled upon life coaching, fell in love with life coaching in like one second and was like, I didn't even know that this existed. What is this world? I always knew I was going to help people in mental health. And I just didn't know that there was another avenue. And I always knew I was going to help these people. Like I never was interested in diagnosing and medication and, um, you know, huge abuse, huge trauma, like that kind of a sphere. Wasn't really what I was interested in. I was interested in relationships and I always knew that. And so I didn't know that you could like life coach and use like the similar tools that people are using in therapy, but for like a different people in a different like, um, stage, I guess, of their life where like, things are going okay, but they just want them to be like improved. And so I found life coaching got certification got a few more certifications learning training all the things and you're always like your first best client right you're like practicing on you and your your friends are practicing on you and you're like getting together and doing all of this and it was through that like i so i didn't start life coaching parenting i started life coaching and all these different things but i was using the tools that i learned on my parenting specifically and i noticed that it just really accelerated the growth and the change that I'd already seen. Like, it was almost like I now had words for like, oh, this is what changed for me. Like, this is why things changed in my life. And now I can use this again. So we were not out of the woods yet. We still had a couple pretty crazy meltdowns um, happen over the next year or two. And so I was still resistant to like parenting coaching um, until I really started to do some like deeper inner work. I don't even really know how to explain it, but I really took it to like a different level. And the change that happened in me was almost like mirrored by him Mm. and his ability to regulate emotionally exponentially increased as my ability to regulate emotionally exponentially increased. And he found ways to regulate himself, um, which is also a miracle because during this time, my third, um, also is neurodivergent and potentially my fourth, but she's pretty little still. So, um, so then I'm dealing with the same behaviors in my second, in my third now. And I'm like, okay, now I have like tools. It was still so hard, but now I had tools. So I felt like I had a little bit more traction and they were kind of all the things that like, weren't in the books. Like it wasn't really like nobody's written a book about it yet, at least to say like, okay, this is a great parenting philosophy, but like, here's the how-to steps. Like once you get these down, it's a lot easier to parent in this way. And, um, so that's where we're at now, I guess fast forward to now where like, I don't even, it's not that I try to stop myself from yelling. I don't yell because I like, don't need to, because I don't feel that depth of emotion in that same way. And, um, my kids get along more, like there's way less sibling fighting. Um, our home is way more chill. It's way more calm. So I feel like I'm not the same person that I was 20 years ago, but it's like lifetimes ago, like our life and my family and my relationships are completely different in every way. And my kids are totally different because of like the work that I've done. And now I think that parenting work is amazing and you can read parenting books and that's great, but it's more about our inner work than it is about parenting work. And I think that's what the parenting books are missing. It was like, here's all the parenting stuff. And then you're like trying to do it and trying to do it. And it's not feeling authentic. And it's not like really working because it's not authentic when it's really like, um we have to get to our own healing space first. And then I found with my clients like what fascinated me when I was before I started parenting coaching is that I would coach I was still coach parents sometimes and whenever I did even though they hadn't read like the myriad of books or taken the myriad of courses that I have had once I would get them to more like of a clean thinking space and they were feeling more calm and compassionate and whatever they would have the answers like they would say all the things that are in the books that they haven't read and I was like wait a second like there is something here it's not reading more books it's when we do our own inner healing, which every single person in the world needs, we all, we all have wounds that we bring with us, that this type of parenting actually comes very naturally. And this type of parenting is relationship-based instead of like rewards and punishments and behavior modification-based. It's um, um, teaching emotional regulation to your kids. It's teaching them self-confidence and empathy and personal responsibility and all the things we want come from us modeling all of the things we want and us becoming that first.
0: Um, Is that not the most beautiful thing like said? My gosh, I just feel like that that's it. Like Dr. Jody Carrington, who works with teachers, uh, who has the books kids these days, it's, it's not the kids. We need to take care of the people who are um, handling our kids that have our kids hold them and take care of them because as teachers and parents and, um, caregivers, it's like, we have to do that work and heal ourselves and take care of ourselves so that we can exactly what you said. Um, like you're a different person. You're, you were having this, like all of this, um, everything mirrored back to you. And then it was like, okay, as my child is a mirror, like your children are your biggest teachers, they show you the parts of yourself that you need to heal. And when we can heal ourselves, then things completely shift and change. And I love how you take the relationship-based approach because isn't that all that we want is to, you know, feel seen, connected, loved. Yeah, My
1: very favorite social media post I've ever made is that like triggers, like teacher triggers are teachers and our kids are our best triggers slash our best teachers. And we can either use that to like reflect back to them and get just like more mad and more upset. Or we can use it as like, uh, like, okay, wait, like there's something underneath this. And it's not just like overnight work. It's like deeper work. And one thing that I didn't mention is like a lot of this work comes to us because of the way that we were parented, right? Like we, we don't have the emotional skills because we weren't taught the emotional skills. So we can decide like, okay, we're just going to keep passing on all the things that have been passed to us for generations, or we can maybe do a little bit of work or we can do a lot of work, but like, it really is, um, our own internal work to do that we can like wake up and decide. Like, I really, I want to give something different to not only my kids, but like my grandkids and my great grandkids, like, Now I think of it as like this empowering, like how much work can I possibly do on me and my kids so that they don't have as much work to do so that they don't have to become adults. Like everyone has work to do. Like that's not, that's not what we're talking about. But like, if I can do something really significant, then maybe I can take some of that burden off of them and their kids and their kids and their kids. And also it's so much more fun. Like I love parenting now and I don't love like every single aspect of parenting and motherhood all of the time but I'm okay that I don't like, I'm just like, Oh, okay. I don't like this part. Like, cool. Like it's fine. Right. Like my expectations around parenting and motherhood and myself have changed immensely.
0: Yeah. And you homeschool. So mm-hmm. when did you always homeschool or when, when did you decide to, and what was, what led you there? Yeah, it's
1: so interesting because it was that book that led me to homeschooling. Cause I read it and I was like, He was talking about relationship and how like so many of these things are developed before the age of eight, like our relationships and our attachments and stuff. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, and I should spend more time with them. And so I was like, well, maybe if I spend more time with them, then I'll be able to like help this relationship that I knew wasn't that great. So my son, when he was in grade one and I was like, oh, he's going to be with his teacher for like more than he's going to be with me. So I was like, I'll just take him home for a couple of years. I'll work on our relationship and then like things will get better. Um, newsflash, spending more time with somebody that you don't get along with does not help your relationship. (laughs) So there was a lot of years of us just like butting heads, like with, even with my oldest of like what I thought school was and what he thought it was and what I wanted and what he wanted. And anyways, we could do a whole podcast episode on the things that I've learned about learning also. Um, and so that didn't come naturally either, but here we are 11 years later. I'm like, how have we been doing this for 11 years? Like, anyways, it just, we just kind of happened into it. Um, we love it for a lot more reasons than that now, but at that time it really was, I had zero friends that homeschooled. I was not homeschooled. I didn't know anybody that was homeschooled. Nobody was homeschooling. It wasn't cool back then. It's kind of cool now, but it wasn't then people were like, you're what, what are you doing? My dad's a public school teacher. And he's like, did I like was I a bad influence? Like, did you not enjoy your schooling experience? Like he kind of like took it personally. <laughs> and I was like, no, I just like want to spend more time with my kids and I'm going to put them in, in a couple of years. Don't worry. Like i kind of like quell people's fears because that is really what I planned on. Um, but anyways, fast forward as our relationships changing and like education is changing and things are going well, like things started to really to, did, did start to heal. And I think because of the massive amount of time we spent together. We had to like, maybe if he was gone most of the day at school, and then he was in like an after-school program. And then we had a respite worker that came to help me in the evenings. And on the weekends, I probably wouldn't have done my inner work. I probably would have been like, okay, just gonna take a lot of breaks. I'm going to take, because it is so emotionally exhausting. But at that time he wasn't diagnosed. We didn't have any funding to help us with respite. He wasn't in school. Like we were just together all day. <laughs> so I think it was almost like born out of like necessity. Like we are here together all day. Like we got to figure this out. Um, and at least for me, that was exactly what I needed. Everybody's journey is so different. And I don't want to like discount somebody else's journey. Cause they're all, it's all hard. Parenting kids is hard. Parenting neurodivergent kids is even harder. It's like a different ball game parenting, parenting, any kids with any extra needs. Um, but we can make it more simple. And that is what I do now is like, yes, it's hard, but I can be simple. Like the answer is a simple answer. And so much of it is like not in the parenting book. So now I tell people not to read them. I'm like, I mean, if you're going to read them, read my two favorites, but like really (laughs) don't read them. Spend that same amount of time on your own healing instead.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh! Like everybody listening, like don't we all need? And like you said, it doesn't matter where you're at. Some of us um, could use more. You know what I mean? Depending on where you are on your journey, but mm-hmm. we all have stuff to continually heal and shed and layers to peel back.
1: It's because just... our parents didn't have, didn't know any different. Like their parenting. Like you read books from the 70s, eight and 80s, and you will have a different perspective of how your parents parented you, because you will see the information that was available to them on parenting and how backwards and how really abusive it was. And that that was like the go-to that was like, no, this is what you should do with your kids. Right. And so now, now we know that that's different, but like, we still carry these wounds. And even if consciously we're like, well, I don't want to parent that way. That does not mean that you don't have subconscious wounds that you're still acting out from behaving from, even if you don't recognize it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so important to, to really reflect on that. And yeah, even though we have these, these other intentions and we're wanting to go the other way, unless you actually do the work, you know, the pattern and the cycles can be repeated over and over again. So what a gift it is, for us to, to do the work for our children and their the future generations, right. Our grandchildren and their children. So, um, it just amazes me that you went from like having, you know, these being in these meltdowns and tantrums and hours and hours and, and my hours, my
1: own meltdowns and tantrums for hours and hours. Yes.
0: And then deciding <laughs> and then, yeah. to, and then deciding to homeschool for yeah. children your youngest, is she old enough to
1: Yeah. So my, oh, my youngest is seven now. So at that time, when I started Mm -hmm. to homeschool, my toddler, I will mention this. My toddler at the time was actually pretty chill because he would just like sit and play by himself for hours and like not interact with the other kids as much or play with the other kids as much. And like his meltdowns got worse as he was like four and then five and then six, and then really bad by seven, seven through eleven. And was really rough and so it didn't occur to me until afterwards when we did eventually get him diagnosed um because he wanted it and had asked us for it and we'd talk a lot about brains and different brains and whatever I didn't want him to have that negative stigma around it so I just said everybody's brain is different literally it's like a contrast everyone has different brains it's not just like here's the neurodivergent people and here's the neurotypical people no like we we all have different brains. And if you feel like it is like heavier or a burden, or there's like something happening and like, you want to understand your brain more, like we'll go do that. And so, um, when he was 11, we did, but, um, looking back on it now, like when we were getting him diagnosed, I was like, Oh yeah. Like it isn't actually super typical for a toddler to be able to play with one toy for like two hours by themselves or to like not interact with the kids around them while they're playing. And like, there was some things that came up that I was like, Oh Yeah. But at that time I was just like, okay, like it's all right. And then it just kind of like got worse as, as the ages went on. So, um, anyway, so it does seem like bizarre that I'm like dealing with all these tantrums and then homeschooling, but it was kind of like, we went into homeschooling and then the behaviors like worsened. So I was already like kind of in that world for a while, like several years before it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, this is really, this is more than I can handle. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So I don't know if, if I probably would have not even considered it, if that's where we were at, like if I had had my second be my first. (laughs) Um, so now fast forward, I have like, so I have four kids, my youngest um, turned seven, a few months ago. Um, and every year we kind of do something different with education. We kind of look at it year by year. We're like, how am I doing? How are you doing? What do you need? What do we need? Like education is so fluid in our home. And so this year, my daughter is in a local, really small public school with like 12 kids in her class. And she takes a bus back and forth. And she really wanted to have that experience. We've done alternate schools. We've done like half public school and half not. We've done like what other people would call unschooling that I call like um, inspired learning or, um, self-directed education. So we've kind of gone like all over the map with, (laughs) with our educational journey. Um, but I think it happened exactly when it needed to, because for sure, if like I was dealing with all of that, it would have not been like, I know, let's, (laughs) let's take all these kids home. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that's, that's in a nutshell, that's kind of, um, our journey. And now, um, that's all I do is parenting coaching. And it's interesting because I call it parenting coaching because there's not really a better word. That's like actually healed your own, heal your own inner child slash inner self so that you can then parent in a conscious way naturally. Like that really would be like my whole title, not like the parenting coach. (laughs) So when people (laughs) like message me questions, I'm like, or like want to work with me, I'm like, yes, but just know that like, this is different work. This isn't like going to a parent coach and being like we're going to talk about this issue and like hash it out. Like it's going to be turning introspectively every single time and turning mm-hmm. into our own he- healing every single time in relation to parenting. Um, but parenting is such a small portion of what we, of what the work really is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like there's no, it's not like, here's a fix my child. It's like, let's mm-hmm. go, let's go inward. And, uh, see where this is coming from. And yeah. yeah, And if anybody
1: follows Nicole LaPera, the holistic psychologist on Instagram, that's pretty much everything that she talks about. She's talking about like adult looks like this because of childhood, this, and, um, Yeah. And she just talks about self-healing and like, that really is the path to self-healing is the path to conscious parenting. It's not like reading parenting books. It's not mantras. It's not getting down on my kid's level. It's not spending 10 minutes a day with each child so that I like know what their interests are. Like it's not those things. Conscious healing is self-healing. Conscious parenting is self-healing.
0: So you've been doing this for a while now. So what are some of the the biggest breakthroughs or the, the feedback that you get from some of your clients that just keeps inspiring you to keep doing what you're doing.
1: Oh, like all the time, like every time I'm just like, this is amazing. I can't believe I get to do this, but I'll use one example. This one might not seem super parenting related, but I do women's retreats. They're self mothering retreats. So you do not have to be a mother to come. And so this time we did have a few um, women there that weren't moms and, um, it, which was such a cool experience all the way up to like women that had were moms that had like, you know, adult children. So it was a really broad range and it was really fun. And so I, this whole like wellness retreat journey that we're going on every single day, there would be like these beautiful takeaways where they would just be like, Oh, Oh, that's what's really bothering me about this. It's this moment that I'm tying it back to from a long time ago, or it's this trigger that's really coming up or it's this other emotion. Like it's really not the thing that I think it is. And to, when we were all saying goodbye and I was hugging each one of them and they were leaving every single one of them just had so much gratitude and was just like deeply like, thank you for doing this work. And I was like, how could I not like, it was just like the most Ugh, I'm just, I'm still coming off it. Cause I only got home late last night, but it's like just this warmth of like, this is, this is the work. Like, this is the message that's needed like self mothering. Other people would call it um, inner child healing. I just think self mothering is such a lovely word, but it's, um, becoming our own best friend selves, like giving ourselves what we needed when we were younger and maybe didn't get, or giving ourselves what we need right now. Um, and really truly digging down to what that is. And, it's, it kind of feels like magic sometimes, like how different and changed people are and the work is. And as I sat in yoga, cause we had a yoga teacher come when she did inner child yoga. And I was like sitting in this self mothering yoga thing that she's taking us through. I was like weeping and I wasn't weeping because like in the past, I remember being in yoga sessions and like other coaching experiences and thinking, I want to have that relationship with myself. Like, how do I get that? And this time I was weeping because I was like, I can't believe that I have this, that I actually do feel this way about myself, that I truly really am my like own number one. Mm -hmm. And, um, in the way I treat myself in the way that I think about myself and I cried the whole drive home. I just like listened to soft yoga music and cried. And I was like, I can't believe that this is what my life is. And this is what I get to share with people. And like, I don't know if I've ever had anybody ask about like the very beginnings of my parenting journey. And I was like, Oh, it's like wild looking back to like, so my son's going to be 17 this fall. So like almost 17 years to be like, Whoa, like it's, I didn't even know what was going on in my brain at that time. I had no idea about any of the subconscious woo woo stuff that I talk about all the time. Also, it's not woo woo. It's actually based in science, but, um, emotions and thoughts and um beliefs about ourselves and meditation and all this beautiful like life that I get to live now. I, it's it's amazing. I really make like hardly any money on these retreats. Like I'm like wait, 3 full days and it's so much work to put into it and like <laughs> probably made like a penny an hour once you like break it down, but it was so worth it. It was like it was just yeah that's all I needed. I was like, I just need to take a video of this experience. And then like anytime when things get tough to be like, this is why I'm doing it. Like I'm doing it for this, for these people.
0: Mm, Like that makes me so emotional when you're talking about that, because it's like what a beautiful gift to give someone because everybody that has a child just wants to be the most incredible parent to that child. And then to also give them the gift to, um, just be alive, like be the best version of themselves. And sometimes I think that's the biggest struggle. It's like either try to be the best parent ever and forgo you yourself and lose yourself or to really like take care of all your needs, but you can't get to your child because you got to take care of you. It's like you're, you're maybe sinking or gaining
1: sense of self.
0: Yeah. think it's
1: losing yourself, like not losing yourself, but like putting your all into your motherhood, but your motherhood and parenting gets so much better when you drop that notion and you actually focus more and not in like a selfish way of like, I'm going to go spend all my time on me, but like an introspective way, like what is happening inside me. And it's just such a different experience. Like the questions I get on Instagram are always like, how do I get my kid to stop hitting his brother? How do I get my um, toddler to listen to me? How do I get um, my kids to stop freaking out? Right. We're like asking the wrong question. It's like, how do I find my own parenting answers? How do I find my own life answers? How do I respond in a way that I want to, when it's really hard? How do I find my own healing modality that will work for me so that I don't feel so triggered every time that my kids do this and this and this, like, those are the questions. And so people, when they message me, are probably like, so confused when they're like, what should I do about this? And I'm like, well, that's not really the question slash the answer that I'm going to give you. Also just listen to my podcast and maybe it'll make sense. Um, but yeah, it's just it's the question I had, but was asking, right? Like I was like emailing this therapist and was like, come check out my child. Like, this is crazy. And like, I need your help. And like, you need to watch him and see how crazy he is. And then tell me what to do. And she kept being like, I work with parents. And I'm like, no, 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 I need you to work with him. Like he's the problem. And she was like, no, no, no. I work with parents and supporting their kids. I'm like, I don't need your support. He needs your support. (laughs) Like I was totally there. And now that I'm not, and I'm like, I don't know what the word would be like awake like consciously conscious, like I'm like conscious of my thoughts and my actions and my feelings. I'm like, Oh, I totally was asking the wrong questions.
0: Well, and how cool is that, that all of us listening know the questions to ask and that it's both like, once you do the work on yourself, your, your children get to experience all of the benefits that, that come along with that. So, um, looking back, like from where you were to where you are now, how would you describe your parenting style or what works for you? What you've kind of uncovered over this journey that, that works.
1: Um, I've uncovered that it's like super simple to parent my kids when I like first let myself calm down. Like, I don't actually need to deal with like, things are not as emergent as we think they are. And people are always like, well, what if it's unsafe and blah, blah, blah. There is very few situations where it's like immediately right then going to be unsafe. Like if they're hitting a sibling, you can take the sibling with you and go chill out. Right. Like you can do things to get yourself out of that situation. I was at the hospital the other day. Cause one of my kids broke their arm and I'm like sitting in an emergency room waiting for an x-ray looking at pictures. And there was a baby screaming. And it was like, if your baby is screaming and you get your, you would notice you're getting really mad, put your baby down. The baby will be safe for 10 minutes, go and do something else. Go have a shower, go wash your face, go do some deep breathing, go read a book and then come back. That's actually more safe. And I thought if we can do this with art, our- like literal newborn babies, if that's what the doctors are telling us to do at the hospital, we can do this with our two-year-olds and our four-year-olds and our six-year-olds and our 10-year-olds. And like, it is probably more safe for us and for them emotionally. And maybe sometimes physically also to just pause in that moment and not respond. And so for me, like the way that I respond now is just more intentionally. Like I notice when I'm acting out of line. Also, I'm totally not perfect. Like, don't think that this is like Oh, everything's just lovely all the time. What I teach is not perfectionism; it's good enoughism. So my goal is to get my clients to sixty to seventy percent of where they want to be. So, like, if they want to, like, I just want to be a perfect parent one hundred percent of the time, I'm like, okay, let's get you like seventy percent there. It's like B minus parenting; like B minus is the goal, because the rest of the thirty percent is like just human. Like, P.S. You're still going to be human, not just like turn into a robot. Um, and also, it teaches our kids how to make mistakes. how to respond to them and how to move on from them. So 30% of the time, I'm still like, you know, making all these mistakes, coming back and apologizing to my kids. Hopefully after I've like chilled out and been like, okay, wait, that wasn't about you. That was about me. I just hadn't eaten all morning. And so I was cranky. It had nothing to do with you. I shouldn't have act that way. You know, apologize. Um, but the rest of that time really is just so much more intentional. So when I notice my feelings, like be really strong, I'm like, what do I do to regulate myself? And then after I'm regulated, I go back to my thoughts. What was actually triggering me in that moment? So I'm going to do some feelings work. I'm going to do some thought work and then I'm going to move forward. And that's just how I live my life. And the, um, the external way that it looks is that there's very little yelling in our home from like anybody. There's very little fighting really from anyone. There's a lot of like, just kind of open communication and talking. there's a lot less expectations or like what people would call rules, like that's, we don't have just like, there's a rule about this and you can't do this and you can't do that. Like, um, not that we don't teach them because we do teach them, but we teach them through how we model things. So I'm not going to like give my child a punishment. If they left their backpack out, I'm going to realize that if they're neurodivergent, likely they're going to leave their backpack out a lot of the time. And so I'm just going to say like, oh, this is where it, this is the hook. This is your hook. Remember? And I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep hanging it up and telling them. And guess what? They do learn. (laughs) Like they learn the thing. Like it just takes a long time. It's developmental. Learning is happening naturally all the time, even if you're not trying to make it happen and it's developmental. And so, so much of it is just like chilling out about it. Like, yeah, my seven-year-old still. Is like punching and kicking and screaming and yelling when they're upset because they haven't learned that skill yet. But guess what? My 10 year old, not very often. My 14 year old, hardly ever. My 16 year old doesn't hit anybody when he's mad. <laughs> so I'm like, it's getting there, right? Like we're moving up and like being able to see the whole spectrum of ages. I can helps me chill out with my seven-year-old when I'm like really in it. And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is not working. Like she's going to be this, this, and this Our catastrophizing mom brain of like what her future looks like, because she is flipping out over, like, you know, getting the wrong color cup or whatever. Um, I, I I'm just able to calm down more about those things and just be more introspective about what's happening for me. And how can I calm myself down? Because we emotional regulation is probably the number one thing people come to me for. That's what they want for their kids. And the only reason that their kids don't have it is because it's taught through co regulation. And we don't know that. We don't talk about that. Co regulation means my own personal ability to self regulate myself. And my presence, my energy, my being around them will eventually bring them back down again. Just like their freaking out brought me up to freaking out. So I'm still going to feel the emotion, but my actions aren't completely overtaken when I feel that emotion. And that is the number one difference because when that happens I've created a pause and when I can create a pause in my brain I can even just a small one I show up a lot better than when I just like respond in the moment
0: so good so good we can all take that advice and yeah give yourself the pause give yourself the 10 minutes walk away figure out how to um if Babies
1: can walk away I mean you can walk away
0: <laughs> Yeah absolutely okay so Where can everybody find you, follow you, binge your podcast at, connect with you, work with you? hit up your retreats, um, um, all my best,
1: my best connection is definitely, um, my podcast. So I have the parenting coach podcast with crystal. And so I'm going to give you really specific tools to start like right now, like, like these, this is what I mean by thought work. This is what I mean by how to change your thinking about it. This is what I mean by uncovering what's really going on. And same with the feelings work. This is what I mean by how to sit with your feelings or by self-regulation. Like this is how we actually do it. Um, I have a book that teaches this. also, it's, um, not like a regular book. It's called burn this book. It's like a mindset journal. You like, write. It has QR codes that scan. So you can watch videos that describe all the th- concepts. So basically it's like, if you want to have me as your coach, but don't want to have me as your coach, you can just do it on your own <laughs> in your own closet with like just scanning the codes. And like, I, I say closet, cause that's where my little safe corner is. I have like a little meditation area in my closet. Um, so you can find that also at coachcrystal.ca slash shop. Um, I in in there is a really beautiful feelings wheel that I created. And noticing what you're feeling and naming your own emotion is like the first thing I would start with is like, how am I feeling during the day? And like what feeling am I feeling? So I made a really beautiful one that I feel like is super comprehensive because I couldn't find ones that I felt like were comprehensive enough. So I will definitely have um give the link to you for that too, so you can, so people can download that. And then Um, just come hang out with me on Instagram. I'm the dot parenting dot coach. And my next retreat is in September. And then we're going to be doing some traveling and going crazy places. So I won't be doing it again for a while. So if you are wanting to do a retreat um, or wanting to come to one of my retreats um, come in September and people come from all over. So come from all over and come join us.
0: Amazing. Okay. And tell everybody, where is your retreat going to be? So when they come, yes,
1: I will. So it's in Alberta, Canada where we're talking in right now on zoom it's in alberta canada and it's in southern alberta in Crowsness pass it's like in this beautiful um mountain valley and um there are these beautiful fairy tale playhouse cabins they're really really cool they're they're called charmed resorts so um you can fly into calgary you can drive it'll be like nice and sunny and warm still by then so um yeah so come some come come join us even if you are not a mom we, um, it's self-mothering and everyone needs, everyone needs the self-mothering journey. And it's the message. I literally think this is the message that would like heal the world. Like if everybody believed this about themselves and like knew how to truly comfort and soothe and be with themselves that like, there wouldn't be all the things right. Like wars and violence and shootings and all the things like, even like I really think it spirals into deeper mental illness. Like when that goes unchecked is what leads to depression and leads to anxiety and leads to all of these other um, things that we deal with. And, um, anyways, so I feel like I just said like a million things, but come if, if you want me to clarify anything <laughs> that I talked about, you can message me on, I'm really good at voice memos on Instagram. So <laughs> send me well, a voice memo.
0: <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much for being on. I feel like oh my gosh, I feel like lighter just listening to the conversation and, and reflecting on, you know, my own parenthood and what I can do today in, in little simple ways to create some shifts just just from this conversation. So I can't wait to binge your podcast and uh, hear all the things. And really, I love the work. I do the work. I've been doing the work because I believe that's where it starts too. So just continuing on this journey and, um, really, um, I guess not solidifying, I already know this, but just re, uh, confirming that, you know, me doing my own work is going to create so much love and positivity and, um, connection with, with my children. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being on here. I loved chatting with you and, uh, you. yeah, we'll definitely have to stay in touch.
1: Thanks so much.
0: Thank you for joining me on today's episode of all things relatable. If you know someone that would relate to this episode and get value from it, please pass it along. Also, if this episode resonated with you, I would love for you to rate, review and subscribe.